Hello and welcome to the Sovereign Collective Podcast, where we bring you real raw truth for your self-empowerment. I'm your host, Sasha Calavota, and I believe that you can stand on your own two feet, but that you don't have to do it alone. I love learning from people who continually strive to raise the bar, to go against mainstream thinking, and who dare to question the general consensus. People are risking ridiculed or even risk the loss of their professional status as they bravely question the common narratives and challenge the rest of us to expand our minds and to reconsider what we think we already know. Join me in learning how to take control of your health and your mind so that you can have the energy to think more clearly and the confidence to step up and take responsibility for all aspects of your life. We promise to never censor here because I believe you are strong enough to hear the real raw truth to make up your own mind. If you like what you find here at the Sovereign Collective Podcast, then please share with your friends and family. And please also consider making a small donation on my Patreon page so that I can continue to bring you amazing content so that we can all create a better future. I so appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. And now, on to the show. Okay, everyone, it's Sasha Calabota here with our very first interview for the Sovereign Collective podcast. And I am super, super excited today to bring you Renette Senum, who has been a strong voice in these past months. It is September the 10th. It's been, what, six months of a new world, a brave new world out there, right? We're in the COVID times. And Renette has agreed to speak with me, for which I'm very grateful. She's the former Nevada City Mayor. mayor. She, I believe, stepped down from a third term, so we can talk about that and why. Uh, and I know she's gotten some attention on both sides of the fence based on her views early on during this time about uh, mask wearing, whether there were laws to uphold your requirement to wear masks, do you really need to wear a mask? And even though in the beginning, when I know this all started, I know from listening to interviews with you, Renette, that you had been quite conservative in your view uh, uh, with this, with COVID. It was new. We didn't know what was going on. And you were saying, okay, people, let's do what they say. But then you had the presence of mind to pay attention to actually what was going on, not predictive models and things like that and say, well, wait a second, this doesn't really make sense anymore. Maybe we should ask some questions. I also know from listening to you that you were a former painter and you have your own story to share about the ramifications of improper mask wearing and how that has stayed with you to this day, so I believe. And you're also starting, you've started your own new podcast, which is Western Women Save the World. What a title. So I'd love to go into what that title is about. And I've listened to a few of those interviews and I've shared some on my Facebook page. And the last one, a really interesting one with the one that I shared with Dr. Jim Meehan, getting into all sorts of interesting stuff and a really interesting story that he has around what he would experience after more than 30 minutes of mask wearing in his own experience with uh, surgery and how that directly impacted his ability to do that. So super, super interesting. And so your views have garnered you some attention, like I said, and you've been on, I think the first place that I saw you might've been just before, but I definitely saw you on Dell Big Trees, the high wire. I've been watching that for a long time already. And he's been really great at covering this whole ordeal. I've seen you on panels with Sasha Stone and you had mentioned when we were talking before with Dr. David Martin. I have been talking to his wife. I am hoping I can interview that man. I don't know if I have the brains to interview that man, but my goodness, he is amazing. And so you've been on panels with him. So that really is a testament, I think, to the people that you're coming online with is really amazing. So I hope we have, you know, we get out of this conversation what we need to today. I thank you for being here and with that, let's go into, first of all, so you went, let's start, I just want to know a little bit more about your political background and why you got into that, because it's painfully apparent how corrupt 
most political systems are. It is painfully apparent how they are easily bought. They are not working for the people. They are not listening to the people. They're not listening to true science. They are just throwing the word science in your face without showing you any real science. They're not for us and they're not for truth. And I'm just wondering what is what brought you into politics and what was your experience of that? Did you see that when you were mayor? Well, um, you know, I was raised in this area. It's called Nevada County, California. In fact, the state of Nevada was named after our little city, Nevada City, a tiny little gold country town in the Sierra foothills. And so I was raised in this area since I was four and uh, lived in many different places beforehand, but this has always been home to me. And then in 2004, when Bush was elected for a second term, uh, I was really concerned with the state of the world and became very well aware of the impacts of our, our addiction to oil, as a matter of fact. So I got involved in sustainability and resiliency and started organizations, uh, co-founded something called Apple, Alliance for Post-Petroleum Local Economy. And it's really about relocalization and building our local networks, like food networks and and transportation and even uh, creating a different uh, currency like time banking. And I noticed um, back in 2005, there's very little conversation about well, what is our, our clear vision like 20 years from now, where do we want to be and what do we want to do and, and how do we make sure that we're resilient and sustainable? And, and I don't mean UN Agenda 21 sustainable. I mean like how do we support our mom and pop businesses and make sure that we can take care of ourselves as much as possible, not related to the United Nations. And um, and so long story short, in 2008, I decided to run for city council and I won. And I uh, actually got the, the most uh, votes at that time in the 150 year history of our, of our city. I got about 82 or 84% of the votes. Yeah. Um, became vice mayor immediately. The next year I became the mayor. That was in 2010. And I was on the council for four years. Awesome, had a great time created a sustainability team, created a 20 year vision, started implementing awesome, wonderful projects. Like we got an organic farmer's market going and we got uh, solar panels and all municipally owned buildings. And um, you know, <clears throat> we, we started a sustainability center. We just did all this lovely stuff. And then I went off the council and, and for four years, I just got more and more aggravated watching the direction the city was taking again um, and just kind of throwing everything I'd done under the bus, a lot of personal petty, petty politics. So I ran again and I got reelected and I became mayor again 10 years later, uh, 2019 and 20. And so I was on the council for four years and I ran again for a third term uh, and I got reelected this last February. And so during this time, though, when the election, when I was actually literally still running, I was in January um, before the election even hit, I started to become aware of what was happening in Wuhan, China. And I had seen, you know, N1H1, SARS and MERS and so on never was concerned about them before, just not. But I was watching this one and I was highly alarmed by what I was seeing. And then I even went in and got some Twitter accounts and Facebook accounts of, of, of Chinese residents, uh, citizens, to see really kind of what was going on from their perspective. Highly alarmed by what I was seeing with the virus, though I didn't know if that was real or not, right? But what I was really, really alarmed with was um, how the government was reacting to it, right? It was extraordinarily draconian and, um, strict and in, in the, the human rights violations were pretty profound. Um, I mean, we're talking literally barring people into their apartment complexes. And one of the things you don't hear or see these days is actually I did see once they barred some of these apartment complexes um, and I can't find this footage any longer completely scrubbed, but they were even burning some of these apartment complexes with people in them. Burning them? Early on stuff that I was seeing and I was just, and people oh. hauled out of their homes and their apartments and 
people in the PPE gear, you know, um, Chinese officials uh, showing up and dragging people out and they've got Glocks in their hands and weapons. It's just like, what is going on? And so it was in February that I even sent out a warning email to my dearest friends, about 80 people in my community saying, hey, you may not have heard this thing called coronavirus, but it's happening. And, you know, as far as supply chain interruptions, economic, political, it's coming. Now, the biggest question mark was the virility of the, uh, the virus. That was the big question mark. So in this email, I sent everyone saying, hey, you know, just get your, supply, get your supplies, buy your food, stock up. If you have any medical treatments, get them now. Dentistry work, get it now. Um, and get ready uh, for a different world. Something's happening. And so that was in February 16th. I sent an email out. I was also talking to city staff, county staff, saying, hey, guys, you know, there's this thing coming and, you know, we need to be ready and, and you know, we need our PPE, you know, masks and this and that. And they were pretty much giving me an eye roll. Um, and it was actually at that time that I was thinking, God, if there's a time for us to be wearing masks, it's right now. If we're going to be quarantining, it's right now because we're a hop, skip, and a jump from China. And if it was really as virulent as they were saying it was, then that meant that we were probably it was spreading and we were getting it and we didn't know it. And this was early on. So um, ultimately, uh, I was listening to John Hopkins University at the time, trying to get the most latest uh, data and predictive modeling. And um, you know, we were being told that this virus was, was doubling every five to 6.4 days. And according to the information, you know, that I was getting and, and that calculation, that meant the whole planet would be consumed with the virus by the end of April. Right. And I was like, oh my God. So as an elected official, I had to take the most conservative numbers and modeling and go, okay, if this is it, then. So I did sign a, a, a declaration of emergency and that would allow us to get funds from the state or from FEMA and so on. Um, these COVID funds, CARES Act funds, um, which I hope I can kind of get back to a little later and talk about that. Mm -hmm. But um, so we were trying to be conservative and being safe. And even myself and my partner started buying up N95 masks and, 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 of course, since then, I've learned a lot more about masks, right? Mm -hmm. And more PPE gear. And we were buying our vitamin D and C packets and are getting our zinc tablets and our UV lights. I mean, we were literally ready for anything. And, um, and the numbers really weren't happening here. And I was actually really disappointed in how slow the county and the cities were moving. I'm like, you guys, if this is as deadly and as infectious as they're saying, we need to get on it now, right? And I kept watching, you know, um, you know, what was happening in our community. And I noticed that, you know, we had these stay-at-home orders finally. And my partner and I actually started to self-quarantine two weeks before the governor, you know, Governor Newsom even gave his orders, the mandate. We were already like just avoiding crowds and so on. And, and it was hard because I was also campaigning, right? So I was trying to avoid crowds and people while I was trying to campaign. <laughs> and, um, and so he had the stay-at-home orders, and interestingly enough, uh, we stayed home. This is a community of amazing activists, and we did what we needed to do. And we bucked up, and no problem, very few complaints. And, and then weeks, weeks later, right, we're talking many weeks later, not just two weeks, not just a month, but longer, um, people started kind of coming out of their homes, and you know, everything had been closed down for the most part, except for essential workers and essential businesses, but just quiet as could be in town. And, and then the cafes started to kind of reopen, and I was sitting in the back patio one day, when a lot of the locals were really starting to come out and, and they were literally, they were literally Sasha walking out and they just kind of had this look on their face. They were kind of like, you know, like, am I here? And are we safe to come out? And are we okay? And, and, and at that time too, my own intuition was like, I'm hoping, 
I'm hoping they're going to let us out, right? Like continue to reopen, reopen. Cause I was concerned about they're going to just kind of lock down again and ratchet back down again. And so I was watching people and I was looking at their faces, Sasha. And I was like, Oh, what is this? And I realized that that look in their eyes was like PTSD. They look like deer mm. in the headlights. And I kept thinking, what does this remind me of? I'm like, Oh, I know what this reminds me of. This reminds me of when I went to hurricane Katrina. And I got there right after it happened. And people just had this look of shock for, we're not talking for weeks, but for months and months. Cause I went back a couple times. I went back even six months later and people still had this kind of like, I wow. can't believe, you know, everything was gone. Their whole town, their lives, their world, everything they knew, all that remained was pretty much concrete steps to their front door. That was all that remained of their lives. And so I was like, oh my God, my people, my, my community, my neighbors, my friends, they're all in shock. They're like suffering from PTSD. They're, they're really, you know, um, really looking like something had happened to them. And I realized really what ultimately happened is when we were put into our stay-at-home orders, everybody got subjected to their screens, right? Everybody, whether it was an iPad or an iPhone or a computer, uh, was getting 24-7, be afraid, be very afraid, be afraid. And I realized, oh my God, looks to me like we've undergone some kind of psychological warfare. And why wouldn't we? When you think about the artificial, artificial intelligence that's out there, you think about all the data now that has been collected. So basically you and I can essentially no longer have a face-to-face -face connection without a screen the screen being in the middle of it, right? Yeah. Stripping all that information and data, taking it, analyzing it, regurgitating it as God only knows what, some kind of psychological warfare, but absolutely, completely, um, you know, dictating our emotions and our thoughts for the day. And, and so I realized that more than likely what had happened was that all that information that had been collected over the years, and especially now, because think of how much more data is being collected, right? Because we all are dependent upon screens. We can't even have a face-to-face -face connection without a screen in the middle of it. Yeah. And I realized, wow, it looks to me like uh, whatever the AI or the algorithms have on us, it's being regurgitated back to us. We're being targeted. And whatever our biggest weakness or our biggest fear, right, whether it is being ostracized or being unpopular or being left out or the fear of death or the fear of the unknown, everyone looked to me like they were triggered, completely triggered. And... That's when I was really, really alarmed. Um, and so that was, that was disconcerting enough. But then here we are starting to just reopen. And in our little tiny Nevada County, we have just about 100,000 people population. On the other side of the Sierra mountain range, there was one death of an 87 year old woman who was in her fourth stage of cancer who came into this county to die. We had, that was our COVID death. She died with COVID, right? That went on for several months where that was the only death. And we had, you know, just at the time, you know, 100, maybe 200 cases. And we don't even know if they're symptomatic versus asymptomatic. They, the county will never- To this day, that is, that is still the only death to this day? No, we actually have, I think, five now. But okay. most of them have been like over 80 years old and, um, and, and they had other comorbidities, right? So we do not seem to have had any, and most of them also, by the way, are on the other side of the, the, the mountain range. So geographically wise, it's a pretty big barrier. Um, but even then the county will not give us that kind of information. And our county has what's called the COVID, um, what is it, the dashboard. And when you go on there, there was like always this one big red one, one death, right? And they had all these other <laughs> numbers. But, but I kept saying, would you please give us the information? Like, give us the age, give us, was it, you know, yeah. 
was it with other comorbidities? Um, you know, would you please tell us all these these tests that are positive? Are they asymptomatic? Symptomatic? Are they showing? Are they are hospitalized? I, I just it was awful. So what really set me over the edge, though, because you know our, our businesses were already struggling. People were were just absolutely had been freaked out, but we're like, okay, we're, we're looking good. And then the governor, uh, five days after, um, he had his uh, secretive mask deal with the Chinese. He had a billion dollar mask deal that he made that the Dems or the Republicans neither knew about. And this was a wow. billion dollar deal with a Chinese automaker that was going to make masks for us in California. And he was having a difficult time getting OSHA um, safety certified. And then finally, when he did get the, the certification, five days later, he he gave this mask mandate, this order that everybody has to wear a mask. And I'm like, what? Well, first of all, you don't have the unilateral power to do that. You're not a king, right? Uh, and there is a legislative process that you have to go through, which would, you know, which would entail a bill, a passage of a bill and public comment and so on, right? And the rewriting, the authoring of a bill and the rewriting and so on. And, and you're not a king, you can't do this. So I actually um, already knew this. And then I happened to see a, a Peggy Hall's Healthy American, the Healthy mm -hmm. American um, YouTube video. She puts out videos almost every day. Love her. She's in Southern California. And she put a, a post out saying, hey, um, guess what? The governor does not have the, uh, the official you know, power to mandate anything like this. It's completely unlawful. It's, it's unconstitutional. And so I posted that saying, hey, just let y'all know as you walk about your day, you don't have to wear your mask. There is no law. There is no penal code. In fact, I, even then as the mayor, went to our city police chief and said, hey, uh, you know, Chad, can you tell me, um, are you going to enforce this mask mandate? And he looked at me and just said, you know what, Renette, there's no penal code. This, th there's no law. The, we, we can't enforce a mask mandate because the law doesn't exist. And we just, it's unconstitutional. We can't like, thank you. That's all I needed to know. Thank you right. very much. Yes. So I went back and I posted Peggy Hall's um, YouTube video and I posted like, basically guys go about your day and just know you do not have to wear a mask. Well, of course, that went viral and, and people in the community got really upset and, and I was trying to kill people and I was a clear and present danger and, and, and you know, all, the, all the medical Western doctors were basically saying I'm crazy and how dare I and, and blah, blah, blah. And, um, and they were trying to do a recall. I think got like 140 signatures and I'm like, okay, you need more than that. Um, you know, and, you know, a lot of scare tactics, so I've, which I've had a lot of because I have been one for years that I will call out unpopular and uncomfortable truths and, and I've got really thick skin and I'm, you know, and I've got a loud voice and I'm willing to use it for those who don't have a loud voice or who don't mm -hmm. have a thick skin and I'm willing to be the tip on that arrow, so to speak. So I'm like, oh, I guess I'll be the tip on the arrow again. So I, I stood my ground. I did not back down. And, um, uh, people were upset and they had a special city council meeting and it was a zoom call and you know, it was, believe it or not, I had more support than not. But, um, at that point in time, I realized because what happens every time I was speaking to truth, our city staff was getting bombarded, right? They were the ones really in the crosshairs. They were the ones having to deal with the hundreds and hundreds of emails and letters and so on. And it was just taking away staff time. And I realized, you know what? I cannot be in a political position and call out the truth call out the liars and not have it cost our staff time in city hall. And so uh, when I was ready to step down as mayor and take my oath for my third term, um, I actually made the announcement that like, Hey guys, you know, I'm going to, I'm stepping down for good. I'm not, I'm not coming back. And nobody at city hall knew, no one knew at all. This was happening. Um, and uh, they're a bit surprised, but what I did do is in my, my, for what, for, um, 
uh, farewell speech to the council. I just said, I want to share a story with you, which is really important. Um, and the reason why, too, by the way, I, I wanted to do this step down was because I had been on Zoom calls as well with county officials and city officials every Friday, like clockwork. And every single time that I would ask questions about like, you know, hey, let's look at the latest data. Hey, uh, let's talk about the cost benefit analysis. Let's talk about um, unintended consequences. Let's talk yeah. about, you know, um, that every 10 to $25 million in economic loss, you, you lose a life, right? Um, are, we, are we doing those calculations? And, and what is the end goal exactly? Like, what are we shooting for? And like, oh, we got to beat this virus. I'm like, hey. it didn't happen. It's not a deadly, it's not a, it might be a pandemic, but it's not a deadly pandemic. It's not destroying us. What's destroying us is the, the economic closures, right? The, 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 the business closures and lack of being able to put food on the table and, and the depression and the anxiety and the suicide attempts and the suicide, you know, Huge. is happening. We lost a 14 year old girl who committed suicide on the other mm -hmm. side of the range. She lost 70 years in her life, right? Not yeah. a two or five years for like an 80 year old dying of COVID. Not that I want them to die of COVID, but it's a big, big di difference. Yeah. So, so every time that I would on these Zoom calls bring these questions up, I would either be muted by the CEO of our uh, county. Her name's Allison Lehman. She'd mute me or just kind of wow slide for a while, hoping I'd stop raising my little Zoom hand, like hello, hello. And um, and then we had another gentleman by the name of uh, Dr. Uh, Roger Hicks, who I've always had respected over the years, and completely lost respect for him. He started a local clinic called Ubidox, which I'll never go to again. I don't care if I'm bleeding out. <laughs> but he basically was monitoring everybody and um, saying, well, Renette, you know, just to let you know, until we have zero cases, we can go back to stage one at any time. And I was just like, when wow. do we ever have zero cases of influenza? When do we ever even have zero cases of cold sores? I'm like, that's, that's an impossible goal, first of all. And then a, another guy jumped in, a guy I never heard of since, saying, well, Renette, Renette, just to let you know, Nevada County has very, very low herd immunity. And what he was referring to is the fact that Nevada County in California has until I think maybe recently, I don't know what it is right now because we have mandatory vaccinations for students. We have the lowest vaccination rate in the state of California, possibly the whole entire United States. Oh, wow. And he said, well, Renette, you guys have very low herd immunity, immunity. until it gets back up, you can go back to stage one at any time. And so I said, yeah. well, when you mean a low herd immunity, if you want our herd immunity to go up, right. you mean our acquired herd immunity, right? And does that mean that you want us to go outside, get a vitamin D, get some exercise, get into the forest, start growing organic local food, get your hands in the soil, all those healthy microbes are, right? And the next thing I know, the chair of our county supervisor, her name is Heidi Hall. And to let you all know who Heidi Hall is, um, she kind of presents herself as some progressive, you know, uh, elected official, but really before she became involved in state politics and county politics, she used to work for Goldman Sachs, then she worked for the Rothschilds Incorporated. Oh, oh interesting. Rockefeller, and now she's some progressive elected official here in a relatively progressive county and most people don't know her past and you can sit there and say oh Burnett, uh, passes or passes or pass but like, no actually she doesn't mention this to you if she was so proud of it why doesn't she have that in her resume with everything else and i'm sorry we're talking the rothschilds we're talking to rockefeller right this is no these are no ordinary companies or ordinary family whatsoever and i'm not anti-semitic i'm anti-zionist i'm an, anti-global uh, dominance but i have to pay attention to somebody who has that kind of employee record so as soon as I brought up the point that, well, we need an acquired herd immunity, she had on a Zoom call been looking down her lap for like a half hour, just looking. I'm, I didn't know if she was asleep or what. And also, <laughs> she looked up at me and she said, 
She goes, I want someone with a medical expert to speak to this. I want someone who's a medical expert to speak to this. There's a lot of misinformation out there. And she's putting her finger like this, like this. And then her head went right back down again. I thought, are you drugged? Are you <laughs> Are you drunk? And I'm sitting there with like 29 other people on the Zoom call. And I'm sitting there and I'm actually covering my mouth going, and everyone's just kind of sitting there like this. And I'm like, is anybody disturbed right. by what we just saw? Right. And how dare you get like this, right? Like this in my face and say, you know, you, you, you know what you're talking about. There's misinformation. And, and I'm like, you mean I'm misinformed about our acquired herd immunity, the very same herd immunity that's gotten us here for generations. Is that what you're saying? Right. Like all exactly. of a sudden that doesn't work and it's, it's a myth. It's a conspiracy theory. And that was in March. And at that point in time, I'm like, you know what? I think I'm done here. I think wow. I'm done here and I'm going to get, I'm going to step down so I can step up. And I'm going to call this, excuse my French, I'm going to call this crap out because I am done with the lies. And you guys are actually systematically destroying our world, our future, our hopes. And not one of you, not one of you is questioning the narrative, questioning the data. And we should be asking, why is it that we're all basing our decisions upon predictive models, early predictive yes. models? It's all we had. The information's come in. The data is highly, highly different than we, that we thought it would be. Even Fauci himself back in the New England Journal of Medicine said, oh, I retract my, my original, oh, this is going to be a, you know, the, the, a terrible pandemic. It, actually, it's not going to be worse than a bad flu season. Everyone ignored that retraction. And, and, and we were not adjusting accordingly, right? I'm like, hey, okay, you make mistakes. You do the best you can. You get more information and you adjust. We weren't allowed to adjust. We are still on the exact same trajectory as we were when this began even though the information has pointed to a whole different reality. Now, Governor Newsom today, by the way, uh, just last week, as a matter of fact, um, has this whole new color-coded map and all these different tiers, the, the purples here, the red, the orange. And oh, by the way, you can never ever get to the green. The green would mean everything goes back to normal. And that little green, everything goes back to normal, like that, and that is your restaurants can open to more than 50% capacity, right? So you can essentially, there's no color code, there's no tier for any restaurants or bars to ever open up again to full capacity. Ever. Well, how does he justify this? Like, what, what is the bar? Like, what are the Well, it's not about health. Well, it's obviously, obviously, or, or truth or anything. So no, are they no, all paid off? Like, is anybody, yeah. there's yeah, so they many are. people they are. that are willing to stand up. They're all paid off. They're spineless. I'm disgusted by it. I mean, I know, I mean, I've been in politics for a long time, but I don't consider myself a politician at all. I don't behave like a normal politician. I don't no. play by the rules. I don't color within the lines. And that's why I'm also highly, highly controversial. Mm -hmm. And I'm perfectly fine with playing that role. Um, but people are so sold off. They're so afraid to speak up. They're so afraid to be unpopular um, or, you know, not, not being in the in crowd, you know, and I don't want to be in the in crowd, especially this in crowd. No. Um, and I have to say, Governor Newsom, in my opinion, is nothing more than Chinese foot soldier. I'm looking at his behavior and it looks to me like what he is doing is he's opening up the floodgates to California for the Chinese. Or maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's the royal family of England. I don't know, but it looks to me like it's China because he's really closely knitted with them. And now you look what's going on the whole entire West Coast here. Um, we have nothing but smoke around us, fires, and everyone's running for their lives. And I was raised in this area since I was four, and I'm familiar with the skies. I used to sail all the time as a child, and we've been getting 
sprayed like ants for well, well over a decade. Mm -hmm. um, geoengineering, uh, our forests are dry as can be. Uh, we have an, 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 an abhorrent amount of aluminum and other highly toxic flammable chemicals in our gardens, in our, in our forests, in our water systems, right? And we've been getting sprayed like crazy. And now we have these fires going off everywhere. And, um, you know, we are seeing some very suspicious activity around the fires, which has to do probably with some really sophisticated, you know, systems that can start fires and also inflame fires. And, and so we're seeing fires in the middle of the night just explode into burning tens and tens and tens of thousands of acres overnight. And people are like, well, that's because our forests are dry and we're in a drought. I'm like, yeah, right. Of course, I understand that. But no, 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 no. What we've been witnessing is not natural. It is man-made. And this is by design. And I keep saying to folks, I'm really sorry to have to be the one to tell you this, but these are war games, right? War games do not just include tanks and bombs and bombers and bullets, right? It, it's technological. It could be disinformation. It could be banking wars, food wars, right? Here in California, they have been literally blowing up and destroying uh, food sources from grain to cattle. My brother lives in, in Australia, right? He's like, as soon as they got locked down, they're killing all of our, our, our pigs. They're saying that they're, they're sick. I'm like, no, they did the exact same thing here. As soon as they, they had us quarantined, they're slaughtering all of our cattle, right? They're destroying our food supplies. They're destroying our banking system, the strength of our dollar. I mean, they've been doing that systematically for years. Um, the disinformation, the censorship, right? It's just like, guys, this is what war looks like. I don't mean you mean for you to crawl out of your skin, but we're at war. Uh, who exactly? We can talk about that in the deeper level, but we're at war. These are war games. What's happening on the West Coast right now, Sasha? These are war games, and they might be some natural fires for sure, but they're 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 being intensified, and there's also arsonists out there. Whether they're a person with a flame in their hand, or it's from some either kind of system above satellite, drone, you name it. Uh, these are war games. Well, I think that's why it's so insidious and it's so, it just works itself in because there doesn't need to be tanks and bombs anymore. We've no. got the technology where you can just, it's invisible. You yeah. can, there's an invisible virus. There's an invisible technology to yeah. affect hurricanes, to affect fires, to, there's planes flying over that people don't notice that all of a sudden, well, look at that weird wet cloud pattern. There's so many things. There's yeah. so many invisible enemies that people don't even realize that is happening to them. And what, what blows me away is that there's so many things from so many places, there's so many dots right now. There's right. so many things out of place. And people just, it's like somebody's like looking, I always keep saying, it's like there's a little board game double and somebody's just like, like, let's just see if we can just make it this much more ridiculous and see if they take it. It's like they're pushing us to see how far they can make it go and to see how much we'll accept. Oh yeah, it's it's a, it's it's a it's a pressure cooker for sure. It's a total pressure cooker, and and it's by design. I mean, they're coming at us from all different angles. I mean, like even here we have Pacific Gas and Electric PG&E, it's notorious criminal business. It actually started in Nevada City here, about two blocks from me. Wow. And they're notorious, right? And they're going around and chopping up our forests, making them into ant farms, and they're trying to chop down our heritage trees in downtown Nevada City, and they're literally extorting us, threatening us. And we have a city council that completely cowtailed to them last night, um, was kissing their bum, excuse my French, and I was screaming at the screen. I was so disgusted by them. Rather than asking some hard, you know, hard-hitting questions, they're like, oh gosh, thank you so much for keeping our power on. Oh golly gee. I'm like, Stop sitting there and kissing the butt of a terrorist organization, essentially. Right. And you know, and again, they on the board. They have a, they have a, they have a, um, Rothschild Incorporated uh, member on the the PG&E board. I'm like you guys, please just can you just connect a few of the dots and don't just sit there and go, oh, that's just happenstance. That's not. 
you know, that's not really, there's nothing to see there. So it's pretty disheartening that way. But the good news is, is that people are waking up. Um, Dr. Pam Popper last week, we were having a conversation with her on Zoom and she was saying, you know, she had this epiphany one night where she's, you know, knows that a lot of people have been on the fence around COVID, this kind of wait and see approach. Well, we'll just wait and see. And I did that too in the beginning. Um, we're like, we'll just kind of wait and see, you know, how this goes. And because people are finally falling off the fence, right? And when they're falling off, they're not falling to the other side. They're falling to our side. They're like, screw mm. this. This is bull. And I'm not going along with it any longer. But I think the thing is, this is the danger is when you read the uh, Rockefeller document called Lockstep from 2010, it's very clear. And the whole entire Lockstep program is to use a pandemic to create a top down, right, authoritative state, surveillance state, using the virus as excuse to, to, to perpetuate and, and to make this a permanent, uh, you know, um, surveillance state around the whole entire planet. And so, you know, when you read these kind of documents, you just can't sit there and say, oh, that's, that's not real, when actually all those steps are being put into place. So, you know, when you start to see all this stuff coming along, you're like, oh my God, okay, obviously this is the playbook. And one of the things we have to understand, I had a great um, interview with Dr. Uh, Andrew Kaufman a couple of days ago. I just posted it this morning. I couldn't post it before because we didn't have electricity or internet <laughs> or anything while fires all around us. And so we got through that and I just posted it this morning and, and I was talking to him about that as well. And, you know, and I said, well, you know, what do you think is going to happen? He's like, well, it's very clear from the lockstep document. And that is they want us to rebel. They want us in the streets. They want us screaming and yelling and being violent so they can actually then justify more draconian uh, measures and bring in the, the, the military and really, really lock us down and blockade our streets. And, you know, can I see your papers, please? Um, and you can again say, oh, that's just ridiculous and outrageous and fear-mongering. But no, all you need to do is look at New Zealand. All you need to do is look at Melbourne, Australia. All you need to do is look at Oahu, Hawaii. Yes. And they are already doing that. In Oahu, okay. you can't go from island to island now unless you have your, your, um, your testing papers, right? You have to be tested for COVID every time you want to go somewhere. I'm like, well, first of all, we know those PCR swabs, those tests don't work. We know that they're completely inaccurate, A. And B, in the meantime... Those swabs are, you're, you're shoving them way back people's yeah. nasal passages, right? And you're like literally rubbing the bottom of their brain. What are you putting in there? I mean, exactly. I don't think that I trust any of you right now, especially big pharma. What's on that swab? What are you doing? So people need to start asking questions. And the other thing is, is that as Dr. Kaufman said, he's like, look at, we know where this is going to go. They want us in the streets rebelling. They want violence. They want that kind of pushback. You can't give it to them. What you need to do is go back to the living. Right. Absolutely. Stop right. wearing your mask. You're wearing your mask is saying, I, I condone this. I, I support this. I'm all right. I support this and I'm going to go along with it. Yeah. I don't like it. I'm not happy, but I, <clears throat> I'm going to do it anyway. That means you're giving that system permission. Don't fool yourselves, folks. If you're wearing your mask just to make someone else feel good, A, it's not your responsibility to make someone else feel good. And that certainly yeah. cannot be a law. B, your mask and that little piece of you know, fabric you have over your face doesn't do diddly, except for create more psychological warfare, right? And make those who are rebelling feel uncomfortable or create a sense of division and otherness, which is extraordinarily unhealthy. And I remember, Sasha, for years, when we saw in Afghanistan, they started forcing women into burqas and it happened. I kept thinking, how in the world did they get those women to do that? How in the world did their society conform to that? Now, 
I know how they did it. It's happening right here. And now they're trying to make these things fashionable. Like, please don't make them fashionable. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's there to muffle you and silence you and to turn you into chattel and, and, and to dehumanize you and to separate you. It has nothing to do with saving you from a virus, period. Even the N95 masks won't save you from a virus. So it's pretty disgusting and, and horrific what's going on. And I've lost about 80, 90% of my friends because I've been speaking up against this, this coronavirus and, and the lies. And they're like, oh, you're a Trumpster. You're now a conservative. Oh, you've gone to the dark side. I'm like, look at, please get the politics out of this. I'm just looking at yes. the data. Right. As soon as you, you question anything, you're, you're pro-Trump. Pro and I cannot believe how divided everybody is on Trump, especially even in Canada. It's like, oh, I won't be able to be your friend if you talk. Like, I am so apolitical, but this is drawing me into it now because even if I don't believe in the system, this system is making the regulations. It's telling me what I can do with my family. It's telling me that I need to protect my son because we now have a martial law public health act that gives them the right to come into my home without a warrant to take anybody, even if they think they have any kind of communicable disease. It doesn't have to be COVID, a pink eye, whatever. If there's a whiff of it, they get to take you for as long as they see fit, how they see fit, they can take your things away and everybody's sending their kids back to school with their masks on and they're not fighting for the rights for their kids and they're not allowed to go into the schools that they're sending their kids into. And well, I'm wondering where is your intuition to protect and stand up for your child and to teach them how to stand up for themselves and to fight for what is right. Yeah, right now they're literally targeting the children. They are, they are conditioning these children not to think, not to rebel, not to ask questions, to be afraid, be very afraid. And here we have, it's so bad that we have online education systems that have Dr. Fauci there, like he's still, you know, oh. representing the CDC. Yeah. And he's like, acting like, oh, I'm just here, your grandfather. This is how you wear your mask and just do as I say. And oh, if you don't, you might come home and infect your parents and kill them, you know? And oh, and if your parents want to go anywhere, anywhere, just beg them, stay home, stay home. Don't go out. Yeah. Tell your parents to stay home. I'm like, oh my God. And then to take it even further in the Bay Area, they have schools now where they're doing the online only. They're not going to school. Did you know they're even required to have vaccinations there for to even be able to learn online? In no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and how do, they, how do know, they defend that request? How do they defend that requirement? No, and the thing is, is the thing that kills me is that parents, parents are... They're getting angry at me because I'm calling it out and they're like, oh, Renette, you're not very nice because, you know, we're really in a hard position. Like, well, you know what? So were people in Nazi Germany. They were in a hard place. They were very between a rock position. and a hard place. And they had to make some really hard, uncomfortable decisions. And I know as a parent, you're screwed, right? That's by design because you're trying to work. You're just trying to, you know, put some food on the table. I get it. But my God, as a parent, as a teacher, as an administrator, right? You all have a responsibility to the well-being and the future of your children. And I am sorry, I know you're in a pickle. I, would, I do not envy any parent or teacher right now at all. I, I, I wouldn't. But let me tell you, I was in a position, I was in a position where I had some leadership and I was in a position where I had some authority and I, I had a vote at the table. And I realized that that was a position that was abusing my, my constituents. And that as long as I stood there in that position, I was part of that system. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but I have to step down in order to step up. And I'm gonna make a very difficult decision because I just worked my bum off on getting reelected. And I've dedicated the last 15 years of my life to this community, to building up this resiliency and making it a, a, a fabulous little community all volunteer, don't get paid a penny for any of this, by the way. I've literally oh. invested in my community and I'm now going to step away from my investment. I'm going to lose the majority of my friends. That's my sacrifice. Because if I continue on this trajectory, 
I'm as sinful as sin can be, and I'm part of the problem, and I'm not going to have anything to do with it. So the parents, the administrators, the teachers, I don't envy you guys at all. You are in a terrible place, but that's what war looks like. It is not fair. It is not right. And you have to make very difficult and painful decisions. And for those of you who continue to allow your children to sit in front of the screen eight hours a day, you're destroying their brains. You're destroying their cognitive ability, their ability to develop and to be healthy and to think for themselves, their eyesight, they're being radiated for God's sake. And then when you have them go to school and you have them conform without question, being dehumanized like they're chattel, I am going to be tough here, but if you are allowing this, you are part of the problem. You are part of the problem. And I'm sorry that you're in such a terrible place. I was too. And that's why I removed myself because I was not going to allow myself to continue on that trajectory and be part of that system. I'm here, step down so I could step up and I could speak the truth. And I'm imploring every teacher out there, every parent out there who's like, well, I really can't, you know, what will people think? And, oh, it's just a little while. You know, kids are just so flexible. They just adapt so easily. I'm like, really? You want them to adapt to this? Right. And exactly what do you think you are adapting them to? Right, exactly. Well, they know and that the... All oppressive regimes know this, even, even like the church, they know you get the kids until they're seven years old, six, seven years old, their brainwaves are in that hypnotic state and you program them and right. then you got them for life unless they all of a sudden get a clue and then they have to work hard to deprogram right. what they were programmed. So the earlier they get them, the better. Oh, and it's they're, so they, they, they have gotten a hold of, of the children of this world and this nation right now, and they are doing a number on them. Parents, teachers, you are literally programming your children for enslavement. And you might hate my words and you might hate me. I do not care. Mm. I'm not here to be your friend. Mm. I'm here to shoot that bow across, you know, the whole entire ship, you know, to, to let you all know what's going on here. And I know you're in a difficult position. I, I have actually great compassion for you, but here's some tough love. You got to knock it off and you've got to save your children. And they are not going into an education system. They're going into an enslavement system. They're being dehumanized. They're being programmed, not to your benefit, not to their benefit, not to the planet's benefit. And, and we don't have a lot of time for this. So um, you know, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a terrible place. And I've got a lot of parents and teachers who are absolutely living with me saying, how dare you, Renette? You have no, you have no right, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, I have a right. You know why? I'm standing on this planet. I'm walking, I'm seeing how it's being systematically destroyed. And you guys are pawns in this and you don't realize it. And I apologize. I know you're trying to make, you know, make your, your, your income. I know you're trying to pay your bills. I know you got a mortgage and a car payment and blah, 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 blah. But if you think this is bad and you think this is uncomfortable, Wait until you see where this takes us if we don't do something different. And it's not a time to worry about hurting people's feelings. This is no. the culture that we've created. So this is why it's such a good time on so many different levels where we, we're so addicted to our technology. We are so freaking PC that we can't oh, say yeah. anything because we're oh, afraid yeah. of hurting somebody else's feelings. Well, if I hurt your feelings, it's none of my business. I didn't intend to harm you. You have to take responsibility for your reaction to that. Right. And that's what I am trying to teach my son and to just, and that's how, who I'm being in the world. I'm not intentionally trying to harm anyone, but if I know truth and I give you some truths out there, then you have the opportunity to make a better choice. If right. you don't know, then you, how do you do better? Right. So right. that's the right. thing. So we, we can't be worried about offending anyone. No. And, and again, it's not my, it's not my responsibility to make you feel safe. It's not my responsibility exactly. to make you healthy, right? If that was the, that's the case, then I should take that cigarette out of your hand. <laughs> that's the case. Every time I see you driving up, 
uh, to a McDonald's, I should stab your tire, right? So you exactly. can't drive through again or grab that hamburger out of your hand, right? I mean, if that's the case, that it's my responsibility to make sure you're healthy, then I should take those just disgusting chemical ridden at school lunches out of your child's hand when they go to school. I mean, really, how far do you want me to draw that line, right? If I'm responsible for your health, then my God, I should make sure that you don't even actually wear sunscreen because you do need your vitamin D and you want to be out in the sun. So I'm like, do you understand how ridiculous that really sounds? What I'm responsible for is my own health. Absolutely. If my health is not good enough and not, and I'm, I'm immune compromised or I'm suffering from something, then I need to stay home and I need to protect myself and take those extra precautions. But for me to make it incumbent upon the rest of society to stop their living, to stop their businesses, their jobs, their ability to make in, an income and put food on the table for the children to go to school and have a life and a future to accommodate my bad health or my unhealthy living is ridiculous. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And I've been in the natural health world for decades now and I teach and I have clients and I do classes and all I want to do is encourage people to take responsibility. And this is a world where they just want the pill. They don't want to do the change yeah. and they don't yeah. take responsibility for their health. It's like, nobody can do it for you. It's not my job. I can help you. I can guide you. It doesn't mean you can't reach out for expertise and help yeah. and guidance, but ultimately you have to do that. And it's ridiculous. Well, people I think you don't want to, I mean, that's what we're, let's talk about that. We are, we are an instant gratification society. So you never hear us talk about the elected officials, the medical experts, right? And you, when you talk to anybody who goes to medical school, you'll say, well, hey, how much time did you dedicate to nutrition? Oh, a day, maybe. Right. And even that, right. do is take your vitamins, right? So we are a quick fix society. We don't want to have to actually go out there and do the work, go out there and exercise or do your yoga or do your this or that, or eat healthy, or make sure you distrust yourself, or you go out there and you ground yourself on the ground, or you go out there into nature and do some gardening, right? Get your hands in the soil and, you know, and, and just have a positive attitude. I mean, we don't want to do any of the heavy lifting. We want a pill or we want a needle. Yeah. Right now we are so lazy and we are lazy. It's going to kill us because this is what also has happened. Is you know the CDC here in America? Did you know they became the biggest landlord just last week? Did you know that? No. no. Yeah. So Newsom announces to us, oh gosh, guys, you know what? And this is and this is part of the system. Let me warn you all. So when this all started, this the state home order is like, well, we're gonna give you some COVID money and and woo, you're gonna have a staycation, you're gonna make more money than ever. Woo! Everyone's like, oh wow, I'm making all this money. This is great. I'm just gonna let go of my job and make all this COVID money. Well, that happened. That worked for a couple of months, right? Two and a half, three months. Now that money is gone. So now that money's dried up. Well, guess what? A lot of those businesses are gone. And those jobs are no longer even available. Okay, so you've got that. Now you have the governor that says, oh, guess what, by the way, guys? Well, for all you, your renters, we're going to do a moratorium on paying your, paying your rent. And all we ask is you, here's this piece of paper, print it out, give it to your landlord, and you only have to pay 25% of your rent until the end of December. And, um, you know, so basically we're going to do that. And the CDC, right, the CDC is going to oversee that and we're going to oversee your leases and i'm like when did they get involved in becoming white landlord yeah and oh by the way you only pay 25 percent. and i'm like i can tell you exactly and you can mark my words where this is going so you all got nice covid payments there for a couple months while businesses were dying and your opportunity to get a job again in your future was absolutely drying up now what we're going to do is we're going to just draw this out a little bit longer right and have only you know essential businesses still working in in restaurants only having 25 percent occupancy and blah 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 and we're going to get you all to the end of the year where we're going to let you only have to pay 25 percent of your rent 
until finally, when that is now up and you have to go look for a job, they will not exist. You will not have an option. And you know what's going to happen next, Sasha? I can tell you right now. The mm. CDC, the nation's new landlord, is going to say, gosh, guys, hey, you can still have a home, sure. But just know, no pokey, no home. Oh, yeah. Oh, you don't get your sick. vaccination over and over and over again and do everything we say. Gosh, you don't have a place to live. And you know what? You want to go out there and get a new job? Those businesses, they don't, they don't exist any longer. And that's exactly what is being set up right now. Crazy. I cannot believe, like, studying this for so long, I always knew this kind of thing's right there, but it's gone far beyond I ever thought would, and faster than I have a friend who said, there's not some evil person pulling the strings. They're not that organized. I'm like, they're not that organized. They shut down the world within weeks. How, how can you, how more organized could you get? Well, what do you think the World Bank is? What do you think the IMF is? Yes. I mean, really, you guys, the United Nations, they're organized around the whole entire world. When I hear people say, oh, they're not organized. It's not like they can orchestrate things around the world. I'm like, what do you think these That's global organizations yeah. and conglomerations do? Are you kidding me? <laughs> of course they do. It's like, uh, you oh, know. Yes. Yeah, so being an intelligent species, we're not very bright. And so I just oh. want to say for those folks, I keep trying to warn you. I know it's really great that you're going out there and you're kind of getting a free ride, but it comes with strings. It's going to be, they're, they're attached, right? And you're not going to, it's not going to pay off in the long run. I'm just trying to warn you all. So for those of you who haven't taken the COVID money, I understand some of you had no choice. Your businesses, your jobs just dried up. But now, if you can, if you have the ability right now, go out there and find a job now. Because the time, when the time comes, in the end of December, when everyone's gonna be rushing out looking for a job because all of, a sudden, all of a sudden all their free rides are drying up, those jobs are not going to exist and you are gonna be, be beholden to the CDC and you're going to be under their thumb and their control and don't fool yourselves for one second that they're not gonna push their agenda onto you and your children. Of course, of course. And it's interesting. So it would be interesting. How would it have gone if they never provided this money in the first time? They just shut everything down. They let people mollify them with money, right? But what if they didn't have money from the beginning? Hush money. It's hush yes. money. It's the same hush money, by the way, that the cities and the counties did. When I signed that declaration, hello, I signed the declaration of emergency in the city of Nevada City, right? And I did that because I was told, Renette, we need to do that because we might need some right. funding from the government, right. from FEMA, from right. the state, right? So I'm like, okay, we'll do that. So we did that and we're getting these CARES funding, the CARES Act. The CARES Act is the coronavirus you know, relief funds, right? Well, so a few weeks ago, the city had on the agenda um, an item to accept $120,000 from the county, uh, and that was to do code enforcement, coronavirus code enforcement. And um, the uh, city council, luckily and amazingly, said, no, we actually don't want the money. We don't want the strings attached. The city does not, police do not want to be the, code inf the COVID enforcers, no. Well, guess what happened? The county came back to the cities, sidestepped the staff and the city manager, and they literally started to call up and strong arm the city council members and the mayors and said, you're going to put that item back on the agenda. No and way. And approve it. And they did. They did. No way. And interestingly, also what happened here, 
which I thought was kind of fascinating is a few weeks ago, we had a fire here very close by the Jones Bar fire. And it was this weird fire, 750 acres, you know, and it was like, it's a very slow moving, but, but, but stubborn fire is what the, the fire guy kept saying on the radio. It's very, very slow moving, but very stubborn. I'm like, what are you, that's the weirdest stuff I've right. ever heard because generally when fires get going here, they're explosive and they expand and they, I mean, they just, you know, they, they cover great terrain in a little bit of time. And this was really odd. But what was really fascinating is just the, the, the two weeks ago, our council had a, on the agenda under consent items to continue the um, emergency declaration that I had signed into existence because of this Jones Bar fire. This is miles away, by the way, miles away. It was not in city limits, did not affect us specifically, right? And yet we're going to continue our emergency declaration. Why? Because the city wants to make sure that it's, sucking off that government tit and still getting the money. That means though that we're over barrel and we're completely compromised because essentially what we're doing is we're taking hush money. Okay. So I'm just wondering, and I don't know where this for sure, but I'm like, so is that why we have that fire nearby? Was this just justify the continuation of an emergency declaration that really we don't need any longer because we are not in a deadly pandemic? Is that why? So there's a lot of weird things going on here that you really can't see until you look back. Another thing to let you know, lastly, Sasha, is that one of the things we need to really look at is last fall here in California, the legislature, they passed a bill that gave this incredible unilateral decision-making power of the director of the public health department of every county and city, right? When, when did they do that? Hmm? When was that? Last fall. Last fall. Yeah. So last fall, quietly, no one thought anything about it. What's the big deal, right? right? The director of the public health department in this county and every county here in California can go in there. They've never been elected into that position. Right. They've never even been appointed into that position. They're hired by county staff, which I think are just a bunch of foot soldiers, of Newsom, Newsom foot soldiers. They're hired by the staff and they have the ability to go in there with city or county and shut you all down, send you into your homes, drag you out if they want to, send you off. Yeah. Right. Even if, as you said, for any kind of thing, not even necessarily even COVID, just for any, they say, we're going in there, we're exactly. coming for you. This one person hired by the county has all that power and it was given to them last fall. Last fall. Right. Yeah, exactly. And there's too many things that were yeah. like the, 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 uh, the World Economic Forum, the whole, the whole virus what was it called? Pandemic 101. Yeah. Uh, the whole right. Event 101 or and just so many things and so yeah. many things about proof of things from way, way, way before in the planning from the United Nations themselves. Well, that Rockefeller document from 2010, just, it's, it's getting, describing it a lot. So a lot of these things are out there and they disappear. So it's right. Rockefeller document, 2010 lockstep, two, two separate words, lockstep. And you can kind of find it. It's, it's a long document. It's in there, like, I think page 18 or something like that. Um, but it literally tells you exactly how it's going to go down and it's exactly what's happening today. And, you know, uh, if you want to know where it's going to go is they want things to get bad enough at some point where we get so irate that we go out into the streets and uh, we start rebelling and then they can justify martial law. So right. you don't want to give that to them, folks. Yeah. What no. you want to do is go back to your living. I mean, right now, Newsom is now starting to backpedal saying, well, you, you know, he just announced yesterday 
you know, guys, stores, uh, employees, you know, you can't really force people to wear masks, right? Oh, really? Why did he announce that? Of course, it's not going to be out there full throttle. Most people won't know it, but it was in his press conference. Two weeks ago, no, actually the end of July, I take that back. End of July, I think it was like July 28th, he had another press conference where he said, oh, by the way, guys, yeah, you know, I can't make any, I can't mandate wearing masks. I don't have that authority. At the very end of his press conference, I'm like, wait, wait, did you just confirm what I was saying from right. the that you don't have the authority to make a law? Did I get that right, Mr. Newsom? Did you just <laughs> actually verify what I took all the heat and grief for? You are now actually saying what I said in the beginning, which is like, you, sir, do not have the authority. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm getting tired of this because it's destroying people, it's destroying our lives, the fabric of our community, it's destroying our future. It's giving way to these draconian surveillance police state around the whole entire planet. And they're playing nasty here in California. We are in the middle of a war. I don't care if this makes your skin crawl, but basically these fires, whether caused by lightnings or not, they're being increased, right, and intensified by man-made results, right? We're going out there and something is happening. And um, it's all by design. The disinformation, the misinformation, the censorship is off the off. Unbelievable. Off. Yeah, yeah. It's just unhinged. Um, we're in it. It's full throttles. So either you make an uncomfortable stand, you speak up, you rip that mask off, you stop allowing your children to be indoctrinated into this um, inhuman, inhumane system, and make a stand. Because if you don't like what I'm saying now, you really are not going to like where we're going to be in a year from now. Right. You're not going to like it. So let me be the enemy. You can yell and call me names, whatever you feel like it. Fine. I really don't care. I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to save your butt. Right. I'm not here to be your friend. Right. Exactly. And that's what I keep saying. We need a mass movement of non-compliance. People yeah. like talk to people like, well, I know you have your opinions and we don't agree with it, but we're, we're taking the approach for our children that we're going to, we're going to live within the rules. Even if we don't agree, I'm like, what are you teaching your kids? So for the average person, they're just saying, I'm one person. What can I do? What, like, basically just go back to life? Go back to life. Yeah. Go back to life. Right. Just pretend it never happened. Because the thing is, if you, that's why I tell people, turn your TV off and all of a sudden it all goes away. You don't even know. Like, I don't listen. I will listen to some news from the neighbor coming over the fence because I look for my news. I just don't go turn it on. And you just, within 15 minutes here. This many more cases, of course, cases, cases, cases. It's all about cases. It's not about deaths because nobody's dying. No. And, and it, but you, you, people that don't think to look anywhere, you, I couldn't even imagine what kind of a state of mind they're in. So what you can know, people do? Uh, it was interesting because, again, I was talking to Dr. Andrew Kaufman, and I said, what's going on? I said, right. why is it the people I've known my whole entire life who they've listened to me, they've actually – they've been motivated from like, hey, go out there and grow an organic garden. Hey, go put solar on your house, right? They, they, and, and hey, by the way, there's this incoming thing called coronavirus. Get ready, stock up, this and that. And they listened to that. They heeded the call, right? Mm-hmm. But now I'm their enemy and they want nothing to do with me and they don't believe me. And I'm like, why do you think that I would invest my entire life, right? The last 15 years in building a better community, making sure that your life and your world was secure, right? No matter what was coming our way, why do you think I would just throw us all under the bus like that? Wouldn't you at least stop for a second and pause go, gosh, why is Renette saying these crazy things? And, you know, and I asked Andrew uh, Kaufman, I said, why? Why do you think this is happening? He goes, it's a cult. It's a cult. cult. We've basically been brainwashed to such a point that when you hear that information, like happens with cult members, your brain literally shuts down. And when we do talk to our friends, we do have that face-to-face connection, 
not even on Zoom, where we're trying to talk and we start saying something that's just kind of a little bit out of their, their frame of reference, what they have accepted, they get this glaze. <laughs> and I'm, I, I'm not kidding. It's scary. It's, it's the scariest thing I ever see. They kind of get this glaze and they're just, they're not there. Also, it's just their eyes kind of go like this. And they're like, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they don't want like, What the heck just happened? Right. And again, right. I'm not blaming anybody. This is generations of programming. We're talking from the television now to our current screens. This has been going on and has been in the making for a long, long time. So in the end, I can't be angry at anybody. I can't blame anybody. But I'm going to shake and I'm going to do this to you until you, you snap out of it. Um, but this is, this is massive programming. And, and these screens are so highly sophisticated beyond our comprehension. They know us better than we know ourselves, that we've been triggered and we've been programmed. I'm out there. You guys, loved ones, you hear me? I'm shaking you by the shoulders right now. Do you hear me? I love you. Wake up. I love you. Right. you know? Exactly. Uh, and, and someday they may, but when they do, they might be in a FEMA camp and it'll be too late. So I'm hoping and I'm trying to prevent that. Well, if you just look at two basic things, people think they're intelligent and they, they're looking at the numbers and they know this and this. Two things. The conflicts of interest are astounding and astounding. staggering. Like they're, they're ridiculous. And who benefits? Who's yeah. benefiting? The small guy is getting killed and the billionaires have gotten richer at a faster pace than ever in history before. Like what, how do you benefit by losing all your friends, stepping down from a position that you really love doing? Like, why would people think that you, who, for who would you be doing this? Like you're obviously not benefiting in a way. (laughs) That's what people don't ask. Like who benefits from Bill Gates vaccinating the world? I mean, he's killing kids in India. He's killing kids. He's like, like, there's a polio outbreak from vaccine strain polio vaccines in Africa. Fauci, Fauci has vaccination patents. He has patents, for God's sake. The CDC is a for-profit corporation. It's on Dun and Bradstreet. Do you guys realize that? It's a for-profit corporation. They're in the vaccination-making business. That is a huge conflict of interest. When I say that, people are like, well, you know, it's understandable that, you know, that they would make vaccinations. And of course they want to push them because it's going to help us. I'm like, no, 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 no. I can't have conflicts of interest. I can go off and do federal time if I have conflicts of interest like that. So why are you okay with this? Do you not understand that? And I go back to look at this guy. Who do you think is benefiting from the CDC, Fauci, Big Pharma? Do you, how do you think I'm benefiting from this? I'm not getting paid for this. I don't have sponsors. I mean, my God, I'm not making any money from this. All I'm getting is heartache. So let's just right. look at that for yes. a moment. No, it's absolutely. Crazy. I know. So now what you're doing, you've created a new podcast called Western Women Save the World. So tell me, first of all, what's your vision with that? And where did the title come from? So the title actually comes from, it's a little bit controversial, you know, because we have a lot of, uh, indigenous folks here and people are like, oh, you're, you're glorifying, you know, the, you know, expansionism in the wild west. And I'm like, actually, I'm not, I understand why y'all say and think that, but it's not it. What I'm saying is, is back in 2009, the Dalai Lama had said, you know, um, it's basically, it's going to be, you know, right. women of the West who are going to save the world. And the reason why he was saying that is because we are this amazing conglomeration of, of races, right? Uh, from every walk of life here in the Western United States. And along with that, we also have this amazing, amazing ability to be able, be able, be able to go out there and, and get things done because of our education, right? Because of the positions we're in, we have this power, we have some authority, we have income, we have jobs, we have the education, we have all these incredible skills 
that a lot of women around the world don't even have available to them, right? And abilities and, and, and opportunities that women just don't, like a Pakistani girl, probably not, right? Um, some young girl in some little Chinese, you know, village, um, you know, speaks Mandarin, probably not. Um, you know, so we have the ability to make great changes, but that is through education and information, right? And so my objective is to use Western Women Save the World to go out there and actually just give people, not just women, but men and women, give them the information so they can be better informed and make better in better decisions and be their own leader. So that's what it, where it comes from. I think a lot of people have completely misconstrued it saying, oh, you're talking about Western expansionism and white man's burden. And right. I'm like, no, I swear to God, I'm not, I'm right. not doing that. Um, it's really about the fact that, that we're, you know, I love all the different walks of life in, in California. I love the array of colors that we have here and the fact that we can go out there and I've had the opportunity to pursue any kind of dream I've ever had, whether I was successful or not. And sometimes I was, sometimes I wasn't, but I've been able to go out there and do anything I wanted to. And I'm like, wow, am I ever lucky? And so I want that to be afforded to everyone I know. So I'm fighting for that. And, and it, my objective is to, to educate people as much as possible. And, and again, if I have to be the enemy and shake people up and piss them off, I'm happy to, to, to play that role. Well, those are the people that make the change, right? And when we follow along, nothing. We only move backwards when we follow along. What, the people that are getting assassinated are the people that are trying to make a difference. It's never the, the evildoers. It's always the good people that are going against status quo, that are the, you know raising the red flags. And right. we don't learn from our history. We don't learn from what's happened in the past. And I, if any time there is a time to learn, I mean, we just have to look at Germany. Yeah. We just have to look well, at you know, and they're not, and they're not, um, they're not assassinating people dead as much as they used to. They still are. I mean, a lot of people are dying of heart attacks in the middle of their, their sleep. Oh, suicides and heart attacks and yeah, all sorts of things going on. But uh, but they're also doing a lot of character assassination. I mean, I've had some real big money put into this community. Um, people who have fake websites about me and malicious websites and even Facebook pages. Wow. Uh, they're really, really nasty and malicious. And they've been working for 10 years on just destroying, trying to destroy my, my, my reputation and my character. And, um, you know, and it's definitely had an impact as far as like a lot of new people have moved here. They don't know me and they just read online or they read these things that are fake or malicious right. things and they believe it. But um, even the internet though, uh, in fact, Dr. Kaufman, when we were talking afterwards said, oh yeah, you know, I was looking you up and, and your YouTube uh, page, you know, Western Women Save the World, and I can't find it. And, and I look for YouTube videos on you, and there's only one from like 2009. I was like, what? So they're scrubbing the heck, right? Oh, yeah. They're scrubbing the heck out of the internet and Google and stuff and, and the searches. And so I'm pretty hard to find. Like, you'll go on YouTube and you'll probably punch in Western Women Save the World, Renette Senum, and you're not going to get anything. Um, I can find it. If I just put Renette Senum, I find some old videos of you. I have to specifically say Western Women Save the World and I have found it, but it's, it doesn't pop up otherwise. Yeah, it's, you have to really keep trying different keywords and yeah. things like that. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's interesting because, um, yeah, he couldn't find Western Women Save the World. It wasn't popping up at all. And, and I have another older page, just like Renette Senum, it's just a page I have where I put my community stuff on all the time. So yeah. I have moved on to Instagram, which I know is, you know, probably going to be censored a lot too. I've heard about that. Um, so I'm on Instagram under Renette Senum. I do, I'm on Facebook right now, which I still use a lot, but I'm, you know, getting off because we know it's going to be getting even worse right. censorship. Sorry, unhinged. And then I am on BitChute right now too. And I'm just trying to put my videos like uh, Western Women Save the World. I'm getting yeah. those up there as well. Are you on Telegram? 
so, you know, just trying to do the best we can, but no, I, I'm really alarmed by how much I'm really, you know, I mean, cause there's thousands and thousands of pages on here and articles and YouTube videos and this and that, and they're just like really not there. Well, a couple things for Telegram. Are you on Telegram? Do you have a Telegram channel? I am on Telegram. Okay, that's another place because that's a lot of the place where I'm following a lot of people because they're kind of disappearing in other places. And I haven't been, I haven't been, you know, there's just so much. So I haven't really been that active on Telegram. Yeah. But I'm on there and I'm usually kind of getting more for information. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll be moving there. Oh, and the other thing is I am moving uh, from uh, from Facebook to Parler, P-A-R-L-E-R, -E Parler. And so that's very similar to Facebook. Yeah. So I'm moving on there as well. Yeah. But, you know, it's just... Right. It's a bummer because, you know, you build up your followers and this and that, and then you have to move and kind of start all over again, which is also by design. So, you know, right. all I can say, folks, is the best thing we can do is, is, is really listen to your intuition. And I know that's something that's been poo-pawed over the years, but you have to really listen to your own, your own gut. And if something is not yeah, sitting yeah. right, then just key into that, right? And know that that's, that's, that's what's, what's right. So listen to your intuition more than anything, more than me, more than the media, more than anything, more than the Dems or the Republicans. I don't care. Um, really listen to yourself. And that's what I want to encourage people. If you're listening to this, if you're watching this, even if you don't believe anything that Renette just said, what if there's a 1% chance that it's true, that some of it's true? Isn't it, isn't it your duty to, to know this and to learn, rather than just spewing what you just heard on the evening news, it's your responsibility for your children, for future generations to discover that even there's like, it's, some of this stuff is horrifying. We didn't even get into, um, the child trafficking and human trafficking rings and like and normalizing pedophilia and all these other crazy things that are going on right like, oh, it's, yeah. like there's so many things going on and you start talking to somebody who's never heard of this stuff and you just think they, they just think you're a wacko well legislation was just passed in california where you know you can basically have sex with somebody who's 10 years younger than you we're talking like down to like an eight-year-old and not be on the sex registry list for the rest of your life and i was like what you know, that was this guy, Scott Wiener, uh, Representative Scott Wiener, a congressman, yeah. congress, congressman Scott Wiener. And um, I actually know the guy. I've met him quite a few times. And, and, uh, and I'm like, what are you doing? Oh. Why would you do that? I'm sorry, but having sex with a 12-year-old, a 10-year-old, I don't care how old you are. I don't yeah. care if you're 19 or 20 year old, years old. Yeah. No, don't do that. That's and, and they've just given them free reign. I'm like, and so, call, somebody made a good distinction about that too, calling it sex with children. It's not, ch it's, it's child rape. It's rape. It's, it's not rape. sex. It's, it's rape. rape. They are not consenting. They don't know what's going no. on. They don't know ramifications. No. They, they're, you, the, the power, right? Equilibrium is not there. Uh, you're an adult. This is a small little child. Right. Don't do it. And uh, it just, it's just horrific. And so, but this is what happens, you know, when you are under this kind of pressure cooker and everything's coming at you, it is disaster capitalism, basically, right? You are in the fetal position and we're seeing it all around our community. We have also, we have roads exploding into highways. We have PG&E, Pacific Gas and Electric, cutting down all of our forests. And we're just getting it from all sides. Why? Because everyone is in such state of fear and they're closed down, they're overwhelmed, they can't handle it, right? That's what I saw after everyone came out from their stay-at-home orders. They're like this, that that's when you can take advantage of the system. That's when you can take advantage of people. This is by design. Of course, this is by why design. you're seeing such an aggressive move by these huge corporations and so on is because they know that you're all at home in sh in a state of shock. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you, Renette, for your time today. I think a clearer message from you: just go back to life, go right? To Question, life. ask questions. And I think the problem is that we live in a society today where people care more about what other people think about them than what they think of themselves. Yeah.
right? Stop that. Just stop right. that. <laughs> exactly. So I think there's a great Bob Newhart, a little, and he has a, 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 a client coming to him and, and his response is, stop it. Just stop. Like all this boo-hoo, poor me, blah, blah, blah. Stop it, right? Just stop it. Your, important, your opinion of me is none of my business, no. right? That's a great saying from Dr. Wayne Dyer. Yeah. So their opinion of me is not, is not going to stop me from speaking my truth and yeah. living the life that I believe in. That's right. And I think we all need to get more on that path. The first right. Some people really truly believe that they're doing the best thing, but they're uninformed and they have to start questioning why is there no debate in the media? Right. Why as soon as somebody is questioning something, they're, they're deemed to have certain political views and they're deemed to be a conspiracy theorist. The, you, can't, what, you can't question the, 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 the yeah. official narrative anymore. And it's like, that's our job to question the official narrative. It is Absolutely. our job to elected officials. Our elected officials work for us. They are our representatives. We have the right to question everything they do. We seem to have an inverted uh, relationship here with our government. Okay. They represent and work for us. And so start questioning your reality. I mean, for God's sake, question it. I mean, you know, do you want more of this for your future? Because it's not going away unless we put a stop to it. Absolutely. Thank you, Renette. I think that's a great place to end it. I really appreciate that. I'm going to stop recording. Okay, wait. Oh, wait, one more thing. I'm going to have to edit this part. So anyways, okay. Lastly, to find Renette, go to find her Western Women Save the World on our YouTube channel, which I think will be growing on other platforms as we realize that YouTube is not a very safe place to put controversial information. Um, Find me on Facebook. If you find me on Facebook, Renette Sem, um, basically when you do friend me, send me a private message. I check on those every week or so and say, Hey, I just friended you, please. Cause otherwise I, I won't, there's too many, I won't see it. So just do a private message. I'll be like, Oh, thanks for the heads up. And I'll friend you. Okay. Um, and Instagram and, um, bit shoot. I'm getting on bit shoot. Yeah. Okay. Great. And I think more and more, because I know you're connected to some amazing people yeah. and you're one of those amazing people that are really working to change the course of our future. So I really thank you for your voice and for your commitment and for your, for your bravery to just tell it like it is because yeah. not enough people are doing that. Thanks, Sasha. So great to connect with you. Mm, and you too. Good luck.